everyone doing this morning? <clears throat> Welcome to Family Life Church. Excited to have you guys here. Excited to be here. It's a good day to be at church, isn't it? Um, as Pastor John said, we're starting a new series, and it's called I Will Worship. And we're going to be talking about worship, we're going to be teaching about worship, and we're going to be encouraging uh, worship. And um, we recognize that worship is a really important part of being a believer, of being a follower. Worship is a part of that. But more than that, worship, I believe, is a really important part of the DNA of Family Life Church. Um, for our congregation specifically, it's a very valuable piece of what we do and how we do it. So that's why we wanted to teach on it and make some room for it um, and really, really create some space for it. So <clears throat> one of the things I'm really excited about is going to be happening for the entire month of March. We are going to have worship nights here at the church Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So every Wednesday in March at 6 o'clock, we're going to have worship here. Um, and you're all welcome to come. Um, if you, you, know, can't, you can't come right at 6, you can come late. That's fine. You've got to leave early. That's fine. Come, come when you can. Stay as long as you can. Um, there's not going to be a ton of structure to those services, just a time to, to worship and, and just uh, be in God's presence and be together. So everyone's in, in, invited. And if you have friends who aren't a part of our church who want to come, bring them. The, the more the merrier. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. The first time is going to be this Wednesday night, 6 o'clock here. So, enough with the announcements, let's get into it. Um, so, simple question to start us off, what is worship? Is worship what happens um, on a Sunday morning, you know, and Pastor John stands up with his guitar, and Nick's back there banging on the drums, and music gets loud. Is this worship here, when we're singing and, and, and raising our hands? Um, is worship when the, you know, you got the radio on in your car and a new Chris Tomlin song comes on that you love and you crank it up and start singing out loud? And is that worship? Um, is worship something more heavenly than that? Is worship when there's a choir of angels and they're flying in the sky singing and there's probably a harp there or something? Is, is that worship? Um, and I think the answer uh, is, well, yes, all of that could be worship. It depends. Um, worship happens whenever you admire something. Worship happens whenever you praise something. And this happens when we worship God, when we admire God. But this could happen with anything. You could get a new car, and I just love my new car, and I can't wait to tell people about this new car. Or I, I saw this new TV show. I want to tell you about this new TV show. It's so funny and so great. And anytime you admire something, um, you're worshiping that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just... How, how we express ourselves, um, but anytime we admire something, we're worshiping it. So I want to give you a definition for our context. When we're talking about worshiping God, I think a con uh, definition that I think is helpful is this. Worship is the outward expression of your inner decision to trust in God. Worship is an outward expression of your inner decision that you're going to trust in God. Um, one of my jobs here at the church is I am the youth pastor, and for those teens um, who have been in our youth group, this should sound familiar if you were paying attention, because I say this fairly often um, in, in, with the youth. I say worship is an outward expression, um, so let's, let's express ourselves outwardly. And so there's just two pieces, the outward expression of an inner decision. 
And you've got to have both of those pieces. Both of those work together. Um, if you, an outward expression that has no inner decision. So if I, I'm, I'm yelling and raising my hands and singing out loud, but inside I don't believe in God or I don't care about God. It doesn't mean anything to me. An outward expression without an inner decision is just empty. It's just fake. It's hollow, right? On the flip side, an inner decision, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to serve God. I believe in God. But an inner decision that lacks any outward expression is lazy. If you're like, I believe in God, but I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to do anything to demonstrate it. I'm just going to think it deep in my heart. Then that's lazy. That's lazy worship. That's like if you said to your wife, I love my wife. I mean it deep in my heart, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to write her any cards or buy her any gifts because I believe it deep down. You think that's going to be enough for your wife? For those of you guys who are married, you will know that is not enough. So there has to be inner decision, but then there has to be an outward expression of that. So I want to show you an example of someone who's worshiping. Now keep in mind my, my, my definition. This is somebody who is making an outward expression of an inner decision, okay? You can throw that picture up here. This guy, <laughs> as we can see, has made a decision, right? Clearly a decision here was made by this, this uh, nice young man. <clears throat> He's at a sporting event, and he has picked a team that he is rooting for, right? And it, the, his decision is expressed outwardly, right? If you saw this guy, would you have any question, which team is he rooting for? No. It's pretty obvious, right? This guy, I got to believe that this guy, I can tell by the way, he, the way he's dressed, and they, you know, you could tell this is a real fan, right? This, this is a, like, if my team makes a Super Bowl or if they predictably choke in the postseason, I'm still a fan of this team. You can see it expressed, right? So let me ask you a question. If you have made a decision to trust in God, would I know it? Just like I can look at that Bills fan, and I know that he's a fan. If I look at you, would I know that you trust in God? Would I know that you love God? Would I know that you serve God? Can I see it? And you don't, I'm not saying you have to like paint God on your belly and whatever. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, like, is there something? Can I see something that shows you're expressing what you're feeling? So this morning, um, I want to look at Psalm 95. Um, and we're going we're to look at Psalm 95 and see how that helps us think about worship and how we should respond in worship. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Psalm 95, or if you have your phone, you can open it up. I think there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you want to pull out a Bible, it'll also be up here. I guess there's a lot of places you can see it, but Psalm 95, and we're going to stay right there. Um, I just have been really, we did a, a reading challenge in the book of Psalms in the beginning of the year. How many of you guys participated in reading from the book of Psalms? And it really ignited in me, reminded me how much I love that, the book of Psalms, and so I've been kind of staying there and still reading in there. And so as I was reading Psalm 95, some stuff jumped out at me, and I want to share that with you, okay? Um, all right, you guys ready? Let's do it. Uh, let's start off to just read through Psalm 95. We're just going to read the first seven verses, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. So here we go. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. 
Let's make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. The dry land, his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship. Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Lord, we love you, and we, want, we love to worship you, and we want to worship you better. So I ask you right now that you would come and teach us from this passage. Challenge us with the things that we are too comfortable with. Challenge us with the false beliefs that we have. Correct us um, where we have the wrong ideas, uh, and give us strength and grace as we step into what you've called us to. In your name we pray. Everyone together said? Amen. So Psalm 95 is absolutely, it's a call to worship. I mean, it says, come, let's worship. It's that invitation. Some scholars uh, believe that this was a, a, a passage that was, or a, a section that was read to the Israelite people by a priest when they would gather to worship. So it was almost like a liturgical reading, like we're going to start our gathering by reading this. And it's a call to come to worship. And what it is, I'll tell you this, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. Come, come, come and worship. And that invitation offers you an opportunity to respond. Okay? It's an opportunity for you to decide if you'll respond. So this is the first thing I notice about worship as I read Psalm 95, is that worship is a choice. It doesn't happen automatically. It's something you choose. There's a, there's a call. There's an opportunity. What am I going to do? Am I going to choose to worship? Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll look at the first couple of verses. You can see it pretty clearly right there. It says, oh, come. What's it say? Let us sing. So it's calling us to do something, not just to believe, not just to nod our heads or give a thumbs up, but like to do something, take action, sing. And then it says, let us make a joyful noise. In some translations, it says, let us shout. So it's very like loud and, and it's, it's inviting us to take action, get involved. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make joyful noise with songs of praise. And worship has a wide variety of expressions, both uh, in our time of music, but also in the rest of our lives. There are lots of ways that we express our worship. It doesn't, it's not just with words and with song, but there's lots of other ways. So real quick examples. The way you spend your money can be an expression of your worship. When you use your money in a way that says, I, I, I trust in God, and I'm serving in God, and I'm being obedient to God with my money, that's a form of worship. How you spend your time can be an expression of your worship. The fact that you came here this morning is a demonstration that you believe in something. Um, but if you use your time to serve other people, to help other people, um, that demonstrates, like, I'm trusting in God and I'm serving God. This is a tough one, but the way you treat your boss or the way you treat your parents, the way you treat your coworkers is an expression of your love for God, your, your, your trust in God. So there's all these different ways in our lives that we can express our worship, but I want to point out there's one thing they all have in common, and they require you 
to make a choice. Am I going to spend my money this way? Am I going to spend my time this way? Am I going to treat people this way? I have to choose if I'm going to worship. So singing is not the only way to worship God, but I want to suggest, my opinion, singing is an important way. Singing is a great way for us to choose to worship. So a lot of people in this place, I want to assume most of the people in this place have made that inner decision, I'm going to trust in God. I've made the decision, I love him, and I'm going to follow him, right? However, I know that as a believer, it can be really easy to come in on a Sunday morning or wherever and anywhere, and it's like, yes, I believe it, but I don't feel like singing right now. I'm tired, or I've got something else on my mind. You know what I mean? You're not in the right headspace. You're not feeling it in the moment. And so singing is a great way to make that choice. Like, I don't feel it right now. I got no emotions going. I don't really want to be here. I'd rather be napping. Um, but I'm going to choose to sing along to this song. I see the evidence of his goodness. And as you sing it, it activates your heart. And as you sing it, it activates your mind. You begin to think, you know what? I have seen evidence of God's goodness in my life. And suddenly it begins to rise up within you like, I am so grateful for his goodness and his provision for me. And as you sing, you make a choice to sing, it awakens the rest of you. Um, so that's why I love singing, because it's almost like we can trick the rest of our body into what we already believe. Um, it, okay, so singing, the songs we sing reminds us to express to God what, we're, what we already believe inside. So I want to propose that singing is the Valentine's Day of worship. It's that reminder to express what you already believe, right? So I'm married. This is my, my lovely wife, Chelsea, over here. Um, 16 years, I think, something like that, in that range, and um, <clears throat> ballpark in it. And I love her. I love her dearly. But in the busyness of life and, you know, having kids and the, uh, jobs and everything, we don't always say we love each other. I don't always write her cards or buy her gifts. But when Valentine's Day comes, you better believe that I'm going to remember to buy her a card. I've made that mistake before, so I, now I know. Um, buy her a card, buy her some candy, buy her some flowers, express what I feel. I'm not making it up. I'm not faking it, okay? But I don't always remember. But Valentine's Day comes, and it's like, oh, I know that I love her, and I need to tell her what I believe. And so worship is the same way. Singing is the same way. Maybe you, you do love God, and you do trust him, but you're not always thinking it. You're not always expressing it. But you come in and you begin to sing these words, begin to sing these songs, and you're going, oh, yes, that's right. And you awaken that, that, that within you. Um, God is so blessed when our hearts are turned towards him. When the songs we sing turn our hearts and our attention to him, God is so blessed. Let me get this point across. God is not blessed by your voices. He does not love your singing voice. Uh, he loves your heart. He loves your attention, which to some of us, that's a good thing. Some of us don't have the most beautiful singing voices, so I take real courage in the fact that God loves my heart, regardless of the sound of my voice. Um, I mean, think about this. There's a real, mental, a real quick mental experiment. Imagine that we set up a computer with some fancy AI program that wrote the most beautiful worship song, okay? 
And then it had some other app, fancy app, that like was able to sing that song in perfect three-part harmony, and it was just beautiful and angelic. Do you think God would be like, oh, that computer is singing so beautifully? No, because he's not in it for the voices. He's in it for the hearts. He's in it for your hearts. And so when we sing, it's not like, oh, well, God's going to love this awesome harmony part I'm going to sing. God loves that your heart is in it, and it awakens your heart. Um, so let's move on. Move on to, let's skip down to verse 6, okay? Uh, and the, the, the call to worship continues in verse 6, and it says, Oh, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So there's another call to worship, another invitation for you to respond. But this time, it's a little more personal of a worship. The first one was loud and like sing and make noise and shout. The second one's a little more personal. It says, let's kneel, let's bow down. And it's a, a demonstration of surrender. It's a demonstration of respect. A couple of years ago, uh, Pastor Chris and I traveled to Asia to visit some, some other uh, missionaries who were over there. And we were going through the airport. We were waiting to get on this plane. And then there was this group of monks. I want to say that they were Tibetan monks, but I'm not an expert on monk culture, so I could be wrong in the specific type of monk, but they looked Tibetan to me, like, like shaved heads, orange robes, and sandals. Tibetan monk, I guess. So anyways, we're waiting to get on the plane, and this group of Tibetan monks walks by, and they're kind of standing like there's like the gateway to the, the, the plane, and they're kind of just standing in a group right there talking, reading their scrolls or something, and then this other monk, who's clearly older, he's in a wheelchair, and he like comes rolling down the ramp towards the, air, the thing. And immediately, all these other monks, they just they take off their sandals and they kneel down like this. And they, all of them kneel down while he rolled through. And I'm assuming that it was a sign of respect for this, this uh, elder one. And I thought to myself, like, that is so cool and I, we would never, ever see that in American culture, right? Like, the most respected person you, you could think of, I don't know who you look up to, some celebrity or whatever, somebody you really look up to walks in the room. Nobody kneels and bows down before them. It's just not really American in our, in our culture. Um, so it's cool to see that, like, very different demonstration. But I think about that when I think about kneeling. I think about, like, these people said, this person deserves my respect, and I'm going to kneel down. And I'm in an airport. So I'm sure this is a very dirty, nasty floor, but I'm kneeling down on this floor because this person deserves my respect. And that's what surrender is. Surrender says, like, it's not about me and how I feel and how comfortable I am with this floor right now. It's about you because you deserve more respect than I do. You're more important than I am. The attention is on you. That's what bowing, bowing really is. That's what kneeling is. That's what surrender is. That's what worship is. It's this person is more important than me. Now, I want to say this. Just because you're not overcome with emotion when you choose to worship doesn't make your worship fake. That's something I wrestled with before. Like, if I don't feel it, then am I making it up? Am I faking it? And I want to say no. Just because you're not overcome with, with emotion doesn't make it any less real. In fact, I would almost argue it's almost more real if you're deciding to act on something that you're not feeling in the moment. Let me give you a, an illustration. Um, I have a couple of my kids here, and I want to apologize beforehand to my kids when I burst your bubble with this. 
Um, but if you have kids, you'll understand what I mean, is that there will come a time in your life when your kid will come to you to show you something that they're very proud of. Maybe they just learned how to play a recorder, and they want to play a recorder song for you, and they play it. And you're, what do you do? You say, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I love your recorder playing. Now, am I overcome with emotion at the beauty of this recorder solo? Maybe not. But I, I love my children, and I love that they're putting in the effort. I love that they want to show me this, and I, I, I'm proud of them. I really am proud of them. And so I express it, even though I might not be feeling like all the warm, fuzzy feelings because of their recorder solo or their art project or whatever it might be. Um, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you because all of them played recorder at one point or another. Um, and so if you had kids who played recorder, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you had kids who brought home art projects or something else and you just say like, this is awesome, I'm so proud of you. And, and, and you praise them, even though you might not feel super excited about it. So and we do the same thing in worship sometimes, like, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not overcome with emotion, but I am choosing that this is what I believe, and I'm choosing this is what I'm going to act on, that this is what I, what I believe. So um, that's, this is why the title of our, our series is I Will Worship. And I picked this title because I love that word will. The word will, it describes a choice. I will worship. Whether I feel like it or not, I will worship. And if you read the Psalms a lot, you'll see that David, or the psalmist, whoever's writing, uses this word will or shall, if you have an older Bible. Um, he uses that a lot. I will sing. I will give thanks. I will worship. I will praise. I will lift my voice. He says that a lot. And you can see he's not just saying, I feel like this. He's saying, I've made a choice. I will worship. So what's great about, what I love about Psalm 95, maybe you caught on to this, is just Psalm 95 is very enthusiastic, it's very like upbeat, very joyful, like come on, let's worship, let's sing, everybody get up, let's go. I could picture like, uh, like a cheerleader at a sporting event that is like, let's go, let's go. That's what Psalm 95 uh, strikes me as when I read it, you know. And that's great, but what if you don't feel joyful? Anybody ever come in on a Sunday morning and it's like, not feeling joyful? Well, I've got good news for you. Your feelings don't matter. <clears throat> no, kidding. Kind of. Um, listen, you can always choose to worship because there is always a good reason to worship. There is always a good reason to worship. Whether you feel like it or not, there's always a good reason. Um, so look at Psalm 95. I want to just show you something I noticed that I think is really cool here. In these first seven verses, we could divide these first seven verses into two sections. And each section starts with this phrase, Oh, come and let us. So you see it in verse 1, and then you see it later in verse 6. Oh, come, let us sing, and then it's, Oh, come, let us worship. So two sections that start with that. But then midway through each of those sections, there's a word that introduces the second half of that section, and that word is for. So first we have our call to worship. And then the word for introduces the reason for our worship. So it, we, we go in verse 1, we have, oh, come, let us sing, let us shout, let us be thankful to God. And then we, in verse 3, starts the second half of that. And I want to read that to you. It says, for, this is our reason, 
The Lord is a great God, and a great God, a king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. He made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And then, so then in verse 6, there's, O come, let us worship and kneel and bow down, like a more personal call. And it's, re, it's followed by another verse, another reason, where it says, For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. So thinking about those different sections, you know, two sections, there's two sections divided in half, that might be kind of nerdy for you to break it down like that, but I wanted you to see that this verse gives us a call but it also gives us a good reason to worship. And that reason that it gives us is God's character, who he is and what he does. And God's character never changes. God's character never fails. It never gets weak. It is always worthy of worship. It's always a good reason. So I want to talk really quickly about those two reasons because I think there's something so cool in there. So the first reason we have is in verse 3 and 5, and it, 3 through 5, and the reason is because he's a great God and he owns everything. So the psalmist says, in his hands are the depths. So he's talking like the lowest possible thing you could find on earth. And um, the heights are his as well. So he's saying like the lowest possible thing and the highest possible thing. He's not saying literally, he's saying metaphorically everything. As far as you could stretch your hands, he owns everything. And then it says the sea and the dry land, so every type of thing that's in there. Basically, he owns it all. He holds it all together. He made it all. He controls it all. This is our God. He's great and powerful. The second reason, in verse 7, a little more personal, is he's our God, and we are his people. There's a relationship, and there's a connection there. And so we have those two reasons. He owns everything, and he cares for us. And separately... Those are, those are both pretty good. Those are pretty awesome. Like there's this divine God who just is powerful and, and owns everything. And there's this caring God who knows me and he, he, he takes care of me. But when you put both of those things together, what do we got? What do we got? We've got a God who owns everything who cares about me. The one who owns everything is my provider. The one who made everything is the one who heals me and protects me. The one who's in charge of everything has a future for my life. Tell me that's not a good reason to worship. Regardless of how you're feeling or what you're going through right now, that's a good reason to worship that never changes. Amen? All right. Um, that reason will be as true tomorrow as it is today. It'll be true next week. It'll be true next month. It'll be true next year. That never changes, and it's always a good reason to worship. Yesterday, um, I was doing a little bit of work um, on our finances. I was, you know, uh, collecting some receipts and marking down some our grocery receipts, how much money we spent on groceries this week, and how much money was left in our bank account, some of that kind of stuff. And it was a, it was a little bit discouraging. I don't know if you guys have been in that boat recently, but you're like, how much can these kids eat? It's unbelievable. Um, and it's like, I'm looking at my bank account. I don't know if we have enough money to keep buying groceries for these kids. We're going to have to cut one off maybe or something. And, and, I, and I had this thought, because I'm thinking about my message, I had this thought like, the fact that my finances feel tight right now does not change the fact that he is my provider. 
The fact that I don't have as much money as I want doesn't change the fact that he has everything that I need, and he cares, and he knows what I need, and he's going to make sure that I'm taken care of. Amen. What a good reason to worship, right? Your feelings, I said your feelings don't matter, and I was being a little facetious. I do care about your feelings, but I want to say this. Your feelings are going to fluctuate. They're going to go up, and they're going to go down. You're going to have good days, and they're going to have down days. Your feelings don't determine God's goodness. Your feelings don't determine if he deserves worship. Your feelings don't, or at least they shouldn't, decide if you're going to choose to sing, if you're going to choose to worship. Don't let your feelings decide how you respond. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Um, I'm challenging you to sing because it will awaken your heart and it will awaken your mind. Whether you feel like it or not, I'm challenging you to choose to worship because God deserves our worship. And here's how I want you to respond. In just a moment, we're going to go back into some song. And Pastor John's going to come up, and Nick's going to bang on the drums again. Um, and it's going to be an opportunity for you to sing and to worship. So what we're going to do at this point in our service, we're going to take a real quick break. Um, uh, parents, you can go downstairs and grab your kids uh, from Kids Life, bring them back up here. The worship team is going to come back up on the stage, and then we're going to go into a song. We're going to end our service today uh, with some singing. Amen? Amen. Amen.